love of the game. This is Love Set Match. I mean, Andre Agassi had this goal. You don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe you're more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Check one, two. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our last Tennis Pal Chronicles of the year. This is the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. I can't believe we made it to the end of the year. It's 2020, and honestly, it can't uh, be over fast enough for me. Please welcome my wonderful, awesome co-host, Valerie Garcia. Hi, Valerie. Hey, Philip. How's it going? It's going good. We're days away from the end of the year. Merry Christmas, because we didn't get to celebrate Christmas. Happy holidays to you. To you, too. We're almost to Happy New Year. Almost to Happy New Year. And I'm, I'm excited to share the end of the year reports that we have from our fan favorite reporters from all over the world. Tanya is going to be sharing. We have a Roth report. So we have a Djokovic report. Of course, Serena Williams report from you. Yes. So I'm very excited about that. And it's just nice to hear from our tennis fans all around the world to see how they're doing, right? Uh, see what's happening yes. in their side I, uh, of the world. I, I can't remember. It's been a while since we did a fan favorite, so I'm excited that we get another one. Yeah, and even though we're in still in the midst of pandemic, it is kind of amazing how the pandemic has really brought the world closer in a lot of ways. We're so aware of what's happening in other parts of the world, probably more than ever. Yeah, I guess... I guess you're right. Maybe because because we're on social media, since we can't leave our house. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully, in all the rest of the parts of the world, they're starting to get the vaccine. Uh, I'm excited about that. I saw that it was uh, happening in a couple of other countries, uh, including England. So hopefully we'll hear a little bit more about that from our fan favorite reporters, as well as how was the year for their favorite player and what a year it was. I mean, very uninspiring, would you say, uh, the tennis? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really was. It was kind of like grasping at straws for tennis i mean when you're excited over um the ultimate tennis showdown or whatever that was like that's a bad year <laughs> or mario tennis or I, honestly you know, the mario the tennis was tennis better than the, than the ultimate tennis showdown <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very tough year so very interesting to see what's going to happen in 2021 and sadly we did get the news that our favorite tournament Indian Wells is going to be canceled for their original date in March, hopefully postponed. They had mentioned that they wanted to talk to the ATP and the WTA to see what were the best dates for rescheduling. Hopefully it'll happen. How do you feel? It's, it's sad. It makes me feel sad that they couldn't figure it out. 
without even fans, since obviously we've seen a lot of successful tournaments this year. Um, but I'm guessing it's it's logistics, right? It's trying to get it. They're trying to like lump tournaments in the same region together. So I'm guessing that they're just going to try and lump it with maybe Miami or something else. And it won't be a true Indian Wells because it won't be an Indian Wells, but it will just be the BNP Paribas slash in Miami or wherever there's another United States tournament being held around a similar time that they can do it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you're... Yeah, so you're thinking this exact tournament will be in a, a different city, possibly. S- similar to what they're doing with the Rose Bowl, the Langham Hotel, where I work, uh, they typically host the Rose Bowl here in Pasadena. But unfortunately, because of the terrible COVID conditions here in California, they actually had to relocate the Rose Bowl to Texas this year. Yeah. So in that same way, you're thinking maybe the BNP is going to hold this exact same tournament, but just not at Indian Wells. I mean, Wells. I guess I'm going based off of nothing factual other than my reasoning for saying that is why else couldn't they just have it happen in March, you know, yeah. at at the original site and just have it closed to fans? I'm sure that Larry Ellis has enough money <laughs> um, to hold it without fans. Um than to just miss out on it altogether. But again, it could be the same reason with the, with uh, last year. That particular region um, is predominantly there's an older community there. So it might just be for their safety in terms of like the volunteers, ball people and linesmen and stuff like that. But I don't know. I guess I just can't logically think of any reason why they couldn't have held it there without spectators unless they were just trying to keep the travel down. Right. And it was interesting because they did actually pre-sell tickets even throughout the year. I was getting emails about how the tournament was going to happen, you know, sign up now. So my guess is that they also had some kind of limited number percentage possibly of like goal. If we can make sure that we have this many people signed up uh, in advance, we know we're covered or something and maybe they didn't hit that number. I didn't even look at those emails. I kept getting them, but I didn't pay attention because I usually don't buy my tickets until the same year. Right. Now I feel bad. It could all be my fault. <laughs> my, my one ticket could have been the Your one that one pushed ticket. us over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I, again, I'm just like you. I'm grasping at straws. I don't really know what the internal is and um he did say that details will be released in the near future as plans are finalized the decision was made through consultation with state and local health authorities and the tournament owner larry ellison so yeah interesting to note that uh they made the decision with state and local and and it was probably much more of a health mandate i guess after reading this yeah i'm sure I mean, and, and good for them, right? They were the ones who started started it all last year, or this year. God, I'm already yeah. talking about 2020 like it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I've already put that crap in the past. <laughs> it's in my rearview mirror. Yeah, and gosh, it, it would be great to get over it. I, I Definitely the worst year of my whole life, right? I mean, the pandemic, I've never experienced anything like this, so. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'm looking at the schedule because I just got a bunch of emails from the ATP saying, you know, there's tournaments, like, I guess the beginning of the season schedule is out. And it's, 
I'm such a, I'm a, such a tennis snob. All I see is 250, 250, 250, 250. I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh, who cares? No, <laughs> um, I don't particularly want to watch 250 events. I want, where's the 500,000? <laughs> <laughs> I want my masters. I want my grand slams. <laughs> I'll settle for a 500 here or there. <laughs> yeah, and that it's kind of interesting. I I do feel like there's a kind of a dichotomy that's happening at the pro level, which is usually where all the excitement is. There seems to be less excitement. Obviously, there's less tournaments. The pros don't know where they're headed and what's happening for them. I guess they're talking about doing the ATP Cup again, which was, you know, mildly successful last year. So that'll be interesting. But like you said, yeah, you know, there's obviously the slams. Uh, hopefully Wimbledon will happen. Hopefully Roland Garros will happen. But uh, I would say definitely at the local level, tennis is really exploding. There are so many people playing tennis now than there have been in, in the maybe the last 10 years that I've been teaching, so many people reaching out, trying to get lessons, buying rackets. Uh, I've sold every one of my used rackets nice. because <laughs> everybody asks me for a racket. So I just feel like, are we capitalizing on this interest and this explosion in trying to get people back into tennis? What is the USTA doing? And I feel like they, you know, they just let go like 150 people and also Southern California USTA is really kind of like changing the game plan on adult leagues, which is really one of the best programs they've ever had. So lots of changes happening in the world of tennis and not all great. So I'm really hoping that all this interest that is being generated will somehow trickle into the growth of the game. Yes. Um, I'm glad you were able to sell tennis rackets and that people are reaching out for lessons in that sense. I guess from that angle, then this year has been a pretty good year if if at a recreational level we're seeing such a spike in interest that's that's a win that's cool that is a win yes yeah and so there were even like some podcasts and people who are saying hey we need to get ready as soon as the gates open again we need to make sure that these people who are interested get pulled into the system and start playing and you know join leagues and all that kind of stuff but at the same time i feel like the leagues and all of the existing structures are really not solid right now. So yeah, it's really, I just wish there was better leadership, you know? Yeah. I hear you. I mean, you would think tennis is such a, to me, it seems like such a great sport for social distancing. Like you're on the other side of the net, you're so far away. And as long as you know, don't be putting the ball near your face, don't touch your face. It seems, it seems like it would be a relatively safe way to, um, interact physically with friends. There was a really great study that was released. Uh, I would love to find it. it. Once I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But it was talking about how the virus, they tested uh, how much the virus would live on surfaces. And specifically, they tested a tennis ball. And they said that the virus could not last uh, for more than two seconds on the tennis ball in the sunlight. So that was really encouraging. Nice. Uh, again, making tennis the safest sport to play during the pandemic so and i and unfortunately i think we're going to be in the situation you know for at least a couple more months even though we'd have the vaccine you know here in los angeles we're up to fourteen thousand infections a day and the death rate is getting higher our hospitalization 
is at zero. I mean, there are no beds left in L.A. County, and they just put a new restriction that if you leave L.A. County, you have to quarantine when you come back for 10 days. So, you know, oh, doesn't feel like it's getting me better. About that. I didn't hear about it, but, you know, where I live, I'm, pro- I'm eight miles from San Bernardino County and Orange County and probably 12 miles from Riverside County. I'm like cl- just as close to those counties than L.A. County, so it's... It's tough, you know, what, if I, if I run down a little 10-minute drive and I end up at the north part of Orange County, now I have to quarantine at my house. <laughs> right, you, you run to a vegan restaurant, you know, 10 miles away, then what, you know? Yeah, exactly. I love the vegan plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just showing you some love, Valerie. I appreciate it. You know, you got to get the word out. <laughs> <laughs> got to get the word out. So, you know, we're still deep into it uh here in los angeles we still are not supposed to gather outside of our family pod so i i'm still not playing tennis it's been about three weeks for me yeah maybe we should play tennis this weekend like we did last time just stay away from each other oh gosh yeah so much actually we haven't played in a long time i'm i might not suck as bad in comparison (laughs) to you (laughs) for once you're all let's play come on let's go let's let's get a match going no kidding maybe i'll get a game (laughs) you're so funny well hopefully it'll be over soon let's just keep crossing our fingers and moving forward with tennis and you know at least we have some things that we can do while we're sheltering or you know staying away from people and one of the things uh that I was able to do during this time was work on that yoga book, uh, Yoga for Tennis with Marsha Gray. And I'm really excited about getting it out there. And so I wanted to ask Marsha just a couple of questions about, you know, why she feels it is important for tennis players to practice yoga. What are the benefits? And so I'm going to roll that interview right now. Let's take a listen to that. Awesome. My guest today is Marsha Gray, my pal, who is a certified yoga instructor and passionate about tennis. She's a passionate player, just like all of us. She's going to be sharing her story and how yoga is her secret weapon to tennis fitness. Marsha was also a U.S. Navy fitness trainer and has helped some of the fittest human beings in the world to pass their naval fitness readiness test. She has an amazing fitness life, including leading Navy officers through fitness workouts on the decks of aircraft carriers and naval warships. I mean, who does that, right? That's crazy. Marsha is ACE certified personal trainer. She's also an ACE certified group exercise instructor and is certified for TRX fitness and prenatal fitness. That's a lot of certification. <laughs> so we're so glad to have Marsha join us via Skype. Hi, Marsha. How are you? Hey, PK. Nice to talk to you again. So great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining me. And boy, you and I have been spending a whole lot of time together. Yes, we have. We certainly have. And I got to say, it's been a labor of love between the both of us on our passion for tennis and yoga and I couldn't have picked a better partner to work with. Oh, you're 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 my favorite doubles partner. Even though we've never played, we've got to play doubles sometime soon. I'm really we looking do. forward to we it. We do. We definitely do. Well, you mentioned yoga. Tell me about your passion for yoga. Well, yoga is different for everyone. So uh, when I 
got interested in yoga, I had that was one kind of area and mode of exercise that I hadn't really explored. And I always kind of thought of it as, you know, maybe kind of the grandma workouts, right? Or, you know, for older people that uh, can barely move, everyone wants to kind of do yoga. But just like anything, even with tennis has evolved over the years, yoga in and of itself has evolved over the years to a part where now it is posture related, which translates into strength training, but just with the use of your whole body. The nice thing about yoga is you can just show up, you and your body, have a mat, roll it out, and anything you do on the mat is a strength training move, right? So you're making what? your body, yeah, it's, yeah, so like, like, like an internal weights. Because you're using your body weight as your resistance while you get into the poses. And as in everything, everybody has different levels and fitness levels. So they're all modifiable. That's what's so great about it is that you can have some super elite athlete doing something that looks so like, wow, or intimidating or impressive. And then you can have someone that maybe just got out of like a surgery that had the okay after their six weeks from their doctor to go ahead and start yoga again. But they're doing the same pose but it's just in their body. So that's what's so great about it. And it's just not only that, you add yoga to your component of your fitness regimen, whatever it may be for your listeners. But then you also notice, wow, I can reach a little bit higher. I can walk a little faster. I can run a little faster. I feel stronger in my legs. Um, I don't feel as tight through my shoulders. So it's I always say the yoga is the gift that keeps on giving. That is so great. I don't. I definitely don't think of old ladies doing yoga because I'm from Los Angeles and everyone here in Los Angeles does yoga. It is like the hottest thing to do, and all the young people are doing hot yoga or you know Bikram yoga or all kinds of yoga that I don't even know. There's yoga in the park every Saturday over here, so there is a lot of yoga and a lot of people doing it, and it obviously has a ton of benefit. And you know better than anyone else that it has benefit. But you and I specifically partnered together because we were thinking, hey, yoga can impact tennis. So tell me about that. Okay. So, you know, and with tennis, you ha- need to be very mobile and you need to have a lot of body parts working at the same time. Arguably, or not working in my case. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I would imagine that, you know, you and I would play each other. You'd probably blow me right on off the court. So, um, but so you're, you know, arguably the serve is the, the most important stroke in tennis. You need a lot of mobility through the shoulders. Not only that, but you need it through that entire spine, specifically the mid spine called uh, the thoracic spine, which we talk about in the document a lot. If you don't use it, you're gonna start reducing your abilities through all of those areas, right? So you can sit there and, and, and play tennis for 20, 30 years, but you are doing the same thing over and over and over and over, but you're not building any kind of um, foundation around those movements. You're not keeping it open and mobile. So then if you don't keep it open and, open and mobile, um, you know how older tennis players come along and they're like, oh, I can't really, serve very well anymore and I don't really toss the ball up high anymore or I can't walk very well or an older partner will want a younger partner to run, run, run like crazy while they stand there because their mobility is limited. So with yoga, you are elongating your muscle bellies, let's say through the legs, right? So now you can keep that long 
stride. You can rush to that drop shot. You can stay nice and mobile, recover with your split step quicker. And then when you have your shoulders open with yoga, that which opens it up, well, gosh, you've got so many options with your uniturn and the shoulders and the hip uniturn. You've got with your serve. You've also got a lot of options with the hips, too. We're opening up the hips. Yoga really is a tennis player's friend. Holy cow, sign me up. I, I want to be able to get to that drop shot. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some big words, and that sounds super great. Well, Marsha, this sounds too good to be true. I know that a lot of times people are talking about multidisciplinary fitness, uh, cross-training, cross-fitness, uh, um, but a lot of tennis players are pretty much just stuck to doing tennis, and it, it takes a lot to just do tennis. You know? Yes, it you does. Talked about, you talked about bandaging and stuff. Man, sometimes I feel like I'm Iron Man walking on the court. <laughs> you know, I've got bands and, and, and you know, compression and all kinds yeah, of stuff going exactly, on. exactly, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But do you feel like yoga could help someone like me with all of those injuries and all the stuff that I've been dealing with uh, for, throughout the years? A hundred percent. Um, like I mentioned in the document, you know, tennis is really a one side dominant sport, right? You're usually either right handed or left handed, right? Or you are a uh, one handed back and back hand like I have, but a lot of people have two handed. But so you're really over pronouncing one side of the body while the other side is is there and supporting it. But it's really out of balance. So what sets you up for injuries? So if you've got yeah, one side that's say, like super strong, like Popeye, and then the, the other side is like olive oil, right? You're setting yourself up for injuries because you're not sure. balanced. And as, as a tennis as a tennis player, I'm actually coaching people, hey, hit 70%, 80% forehands because you want to keep away from that backhand. You want to use your weapon. So that that's an interesting thought that actually that strategy is setting my body up for imbalance. So what are some of the things that yoga does to specifically help to create balance? Because we have two, um, two legs, right? Ba- a lot of the balancing ex- exercises you're going to do on one leg and then you're gonna try it on the other side, right? Everything is unilateral is one side, bilateral is both, right? So you try it on the unilateral side and you're like, oh, that's pretty easy, right? Like, this is easy. And then you go to the other side, maybe like, let's say your weaker side, and you're like, whoa, hold on. The beautiful thing about that is yoga gives you immediate feedback, like, oh gosh, I thought my balance was fine. Because when, when somebody goes, can you balance on one foot? Of course, you're going to balance on your most dominant side, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I got it. But then when you do yoga in a class because you're going to go to the other leg, you're like, whoa, I didn't realize how tight it was. I didn't realize how wobbly I was. So then you're like, aha, now I need to build more stability in my body so that I become more balanced. Not only that, but then you might also, which you had no idea about, going, well, okay, I serve all day long and I'm a right-handed player. And then all of a sudden you've get this little kink in your left side with your um, with your left arm, maybe your left shoulder girdle, and you're like, okay, well, that's just kind of a weird thing. Well, you might actually be building upon a, an injury on the left side, a weak side injury, so that the more you don't fix the, the imbalance, the deeper that issue is to undo it. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. I guess that whole thing leads to the idea of best foot forward. You were saying you you, know, <laughs> you want to put your best foot forward, but we actually need to have both of our feet 
equally strong uh, and balanced. Well, you keep talking about this document, and tell us what that document is. Well, that is where you and I spent a lot of time together via Skype, really pretty much I'd say throughout most of quarantine time frame during the lockdowns across the country. And we would meet and talk about how yoga can help with your tennis game. I picked poses that I thought were particularly good as a tennis player myself that can help tennis players. Took photos in nearby and I showed the, the succession of it and the modifications of it, of how to reach into the pose, be okay with if you only get to pose uh, picture B and then we've got all the way to picture E, that's okay, you're still doing the pose. So I did a lot of photos, picked out the poses, did the photos, cued the, the photos of someone like a, like a reader that's not really familiar, maybe a regular non-yoga practitioner that just plays tennis would be user-friendly for you guys. That's where that helped with you and your eyes to come in and go, Marcia, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm the reader. <laughs> You're the yoga instructor. So it was a lot I of never really said that. good collaboration. <laughs> so I did kind of that, picked it all out and talked about why this is good. Yeah. Well, I have to share my side of the story because what I love is it first started as a very small, like helpful <laughs> guide, right? Let's let's put out a couple of uh, hints about how yoga could uh, help a tennis player. And then it evolved into overachieving Marsha Gray, <laughs> stepping up to the plate and developing 150 pages of 22 yoga poses with all the modified variations describing how tennis players can improve their fitness and become match ready. I mean, come on, Marsha, you knocked it out of the park with this. <laughs> well, thank you, yourself included, it was funny because I have to share that PK just, we, we did a business phone call and he goes, hey, I just have a quick little business idea and just see what you think, right? Just let me see, just run it by you. So you ran it by me and you're like, what do you think about maybe, hey, just taking a couple, po just a couple pictures, Marsha, and, <laughs> and we can just do a couple poses that you think would be beneficial. So then as it organically evolved, uh, I took some photos and I was like, wait a minute, I can't just show them. I can't just do this. We need to do more because this is just really focusing on the shoulder girdle. This is just focusing on the leg mobility in the hips. And so that's how it all kind of happened. So it all just kept growing and growing and growing. And we had, you know, quarantined to deal with. So it was a nice constant companion, you and I. It really was yes. a great distraction and nice to have a kind of a hope and a dream yes. to work together with you yes. on that. And I also love that you you use this stuff every time you teach and you're still teaching, you're teaching yoga right now. So a lot of this is really super practical because it comes right out of the classroom for you. Exactly. I teach during the week several classes. I also have private clients that hire me to come to their home to just do work one-on-one -on -one with them. Um, some are tennis players, some are not. I'm going to say the most of my uh, community that uh, come to my classes, a lot of them I'd say don't play tennis. But I'm very persuasive with my tennis friends 
And I've gotten several in the door to my class. And when I've got my fellow tennis players, we really work specifically on opening the shoulders with the poses and the stretches and opening the hips and elongating the muscle bellies. Why do we want to elongate the muscle bellies and our hamstrings? Because if we don't use them, they're going to shorten. As you get older and people start to shuffle, right? Those hamstrings right. have shortened and their gait is very, very short and, and small. So um, that's what I like to do with the tennis players that come into my yoga classes. But even if you're not a tennis player, we're still doing that with my regular general population. These poses come straight out of the straight out of the studio. Yes. As we were looking at Amazon, we were seeing that there were maybe one or two things out there that people had done specifically for tennis with yoga. But we're talking about twenty five dollars for a book or a video or something. How much are you selling your product for, Marcia? We want to make it accessible for as many people as possible. I mean, worldwide. If you are interested in this, five dollars. It's a download for five dollars. Five dollars, yes. You know, I mean, come <laughs> you're, on, why, you're going to lose money on this. Why, no, but you know, here's the, here's the thing. Not only that, you're passionate about tennis. I'm passionate about yoga. You're also very interested in enhancing your tennis by adding yoga. And I'm also a huge, 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 huge tennis fan and player. It's nice to be able to reach the masses to help them because I can't tell you how many people, even during a match, hey, Marsha, you're the yoga instructor, right? Yes. Okay, so now my shoulder is causing me a problem. Or now, you know, there's something in my hip and there's something that right here and they'll point to places, right? And they'll ask me. And of course, I have to remind them I'm not a doctor and I'm not a physical therapist, but I can give them pointers on how yoga can help them maybe alleviate pain. I've got people that have come into my class with very chronic plantar fasciitis, right? And that can yeah, be very, very so painful. And yeah. with with a regular practice, not meaning every day, but with a regular weekly practice, um, it's gone. It sounds yeah. mystical and crazy, but it really is gone. It yeah. just shows that their muscles have shortened and weakened and overcompensated on one side, causing pain on the other. So once they start using doing yoga, you're going to be amazed on just how much more free and open you feel inside your body. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am always preaching stretching uh, as a tennis player to everyone that I uh, work with or play with. Yeah. But you know, it is amazing. All of these guys that I that hit with, they don't stretch. They don't warm up. They don't. They just come and play, and then they just go home and fall asleep, you know? Yeah. Maybe have a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, to help them fall asleep, right? And So one of the things that I love about the book that we just put out is the 15-minute warm-up guide because, yeah. you know, a lot of people say, I know I need to stretch, but they honestly don't know what to do to actually stretch and, you know just bend over a little bit lift a knee a little bit they have no idea so it's so nice that we have this little quick 15 minute guide within the book that allows people to have a direction right and it is really nice to put some knowledge out there for them to go you know what i am feeling like i i you know like i'm springier in my step i'm quicker and explosive with my split steps and running to set up for a shot. You need to be balanced, right? When you're running up to, to hit your forehand, right? 
especially maybe a little shorter ball. You got to come up. You can't just be all off balance like, oh, I'm starting to fall. You know, that's going to that's going to be a pretty ugly, ugly, ugly shot. Yeah. And unless you're Boris Becker on grass, you're, you're going down. You're going to have a skin, you're going to have a skin rash. <laughs> exactly. So um, this is a great tool for everyone to either download and print it up and um, put it in their tennis bag or do it at home so they have the knowledge they can take it to the court with them. Um, there's a couple tools in our accessory guide. They're very, very inexpensive to throw in your tennis bag that are really helpful for tennis players. And also you talk about the fact that there's a lot of guys that tell you when they show up, maybe it's people that you play in a match and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know I need to stretch. And they just hop onto court and they just work, 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 work. And then that's it. I hear that all the time. I heard it for years and years and years, active duty, Navy people. We know we need to stretch. I heard it from the moms. I heard it from the spouses. I heard it from the, the um, retirees. We know we need to stretch, but let's face it. Stretching sounds boring, and it, if you do it, it's kind of boring in a way. It can be kind of boring unless you've got, like, look, I've got a like a goal in mind, right? I remember years ago when I was working out, going to the gym, I was like, okay, I'll stretch begrudgingly at the end. But you just want to be done, right? Or I want to be... I. Or when I would get to the gym, I'd go, okay, well, I'll do it right beforehand. But I'd kind of hurry through it. But then I would get injured, right? So then I'm like, okay, let me start figuring this out. And I would incorporate a little bit more stretching. But I got to tell you, yoga is strength training just with your body weight. It is stretching just like we all need before, especially before we get on, on the tennis court. We talk a lot about in the document about proper breathing techniques, right, for a yoga pose, which you also need to sustain your energy levels in a long tennis match. Very, very similar. Also, if you have a really bad point, right, and you're like, oh, my God, I just I could have won the match and now I'm back to dues. You know, there is a similar thing that you have to do in yoga to focus on one point to stay in your balancing pose. So it's so, it goes so hand in hand with each other. So, um, well, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. The document that Marsha keeps talking about is called Yoga for Tennis, and it's going to be available on our website, lovesetmatch.net. And super excited. And thank you for discounting it so much for everyone at $5. That is super affordable. Uh, for a 150-page-plus book with 22 yoga poses and modifications, I think that's just incredible. What I'm most excited about is for people to learn about you uh, and have access to you because I think they're the, people are just going to start asking you questions. We're going to get you on other podcasts, and you're, you're going to have the ability to talk to a lot of people and change their body for the good. I think that's going to be so super exciting. So the document's just the beginning. Yoga for Tennis at lovesetmatch.net. Thank you, Marsha, so much for all the sweat equity you put into this to make a great tool for the tennis community. I think it's very valuable. And PK, absolute gratitude towards you and all of your help and collaborating and friendship. And I'm so excited that our document is very comprehensive. It can be for the beginner yoga person that maybe wants to try tennis or the tennis person that maybe wants to try yoga. It's so comprehensive. 
that unlike anything else out on the market. And that is a testament to you and your passion for tennis, me and my passion for yoga, and as well as our both love of tennis together. So I'm really excited and honored and grateful that you were sweet enough to think of me to partner together on this project. I'm very, very happy with it. And I can't wait to see everybody find a better movement and feel better inside their body. I'm really excited. Me too. I'm excited with you. So something good coming out of the uh, COVID time frame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully we'll be uh, vaccinated soon and we'll get out on the court and play. That's, yes. that's the good news. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really look forward to the release and getting lots of feedback. And we'll revisit in a couple of months and, and share some of the great stories that we're hearing. And when, when like you said real quick, you said you people have questions. I am very open to that. I'm, anything I can do to help, I'm all there. I'm there. So anything great. you I need to do. Yeah. Your information is on the website as well as in the uh, book itself. So uh, you're making yourself super available. Thank you. Bring it on. I'm here to help. <laughs> Thanks so much, PK. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. So there's Marsha Gray. Wow. She is just awesome. I can't believe how incredible she is at training people. She was part of the Navy fitness program, and now she's doing yoga full-time, and she just has so much energy for tennis and for yoga, and I just love bringing those two things together. I really hope that people enjoy this. So I'll put the link in the notes. They just go to lovesetmatch.net and hit the shop button, and they can find the book there. Perfect. I can't wait to get my copy. It's on its way. Yes, I actually just, I'm signing up for a 14-day yoga thing for starting January 1st, so it's perfect timing. It's going to go along oh, with good the book for you. as well. And when Good we go play you, tennis this great. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear what's happening around the world from our fan favorite reporters. My favorite part of our podcast is really listening to these wonderful friends that we've met through tennis, through our passion for tennis. Yeah. And so we have their reports for the end of the year, wishing everybody a wonderful, wonderful new year full of health and happiness. Can't wait. Let's hear it. Hi, this is Catherine in South Africa with your Rafa Nadal fan report. So Rafa's actually had a pretty busy off-season so far. He's posted a few photos of himself hiking in the Mallorcan Mountains with his wife Mary and a few friends. He's also been practicing on court with his coach, Carlos Moya, at the academy, including a session on Christmas Day before lunch. He also practiced with the Canadian star Felix Auger Aliasim, who has spent a few weeks at the academy training with Uncle Tony. The up-and-coming Italian star Lorenzo Sonego was also spotted at the Academy in December. Aside from his usual sponsorship commitments, Rafa's foundation also donated 3,000 kilograms of baby food to the local Mallorcan food bank to help those families in need, particularly during this pandemic. Rafa's also been honoured with a few awards recently, the first of which is the Grand Cross of the Order of Dos de Mayo, the highest distinction awarded by the community of Madrid which recognizes people whose exemplary behavior stood out in their service to its citizens. In particular, Rafa was recognized for his great commitment, showing good example and vision of sport and life in general. The regional president in Spanish said that, we bestow with you the highest of honors in recognition of your colossal sporting achievement, but also your extraordinary virtues as a person. 
You are the best Spanish sportsperson of all time, but also a man of great values, determination, perseverance, discipline, sacrifice, respect for the opponent, and humility. You have never lost your humanity. You were capable of uniting all Spaniards around you. Millions of them have celebrated and shed tears with you under the Spanish flag. Thank you for associating with us, pride and talent. Thanks to you, we know that we are a great nation capable of producing extraordinary men and women. Thank you, Rafa, in Madrid and the rest of Spain. We love you. Rafa also received the Stefan Edberg Sportsmanship Award from the ATP, as voted for by his fellow players. He received this award for the fourth time, and it recognizes his fair play, professionalism and integrity on and off the court. In a thank you video posted to his Instagram, Rafa said, Thank you very much to all my colleagues on tour for thinking I am the right one to receive the Sportsmanship Award. When someone asks me how I want to be remembered, I always answer, I want to be remembered as a good person more than a good tennis player. That's why this trophy means a lot. Raf has committed to playing the Australian Open in 2021. He's on the list to play the ATV Cup, although he hasn't personally confirmed his participation yet. It's been reported that he's due to leave Spain on the 12th of January, so that he'll have time to quarantine for two weeks in Australia before the start of the tournament. It's also been reported that within the Australian Open bubble, where the players are allowed to practice with one other player, Raffle will pair up with a young Italian, Yannick Sinner. On a personal note, I'm just sending my best wishes to all your listeners who are struggling during this pandemic. In South Africa, our situation is a bit tricky at the moment since we're in the middle of our second wave. Our first wave happened in July when we were hitting about 13,000 new cases per day. Now in December, we're reaching our second peak with about 14,000 new cases per day. Overall, we've unfortunately also just reached the 1 million mark of total cases. We've had 850,000 recoveries and 27,000 deaths. So there are a few factors which have contributed to us hitting our second wave now. The first of which is that most people became quite complacent about social distancing and wearing masks. Since over the last few months, we've been doing pretty well with fewer than 2,000 new cases per day. Another contributing factor is that culturally in South Africa, December is holiday time, not just because Christmas is around the corner, but because it's also the beginning of our summer, it's the end of our school year, and it's a time where most businesses do their annual shutdown, meaning most people will take their annual leave, go on holiday, spend time with friends and family at home, and generally just hang out. Finally, a major contributing factor is this tradition we have called matric rage, which is where kids who've just finished high school, once they're done with their final exams, head en masse down to our coastal cities for a week of drinking, partying and hanging with their friends. As you can imagine, continuing this tradition in the middle of a pandemic created super spreader events where these kids caught the virus, didn't realise they were sick and then brought it home to their families. As a result, South Africa's gone back into level three lockdown, meaning our curfew's been extended. You're not allowed to leave the house between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. The ban on the sale of alcohol has also been reinstated. And now they've increased the punishment for not wearing a mask in public from a fine to up to six months in jail. Masks have been mandatory in public since we came out of hard level five lockdown in May. However, as people have become complacent, they've started wearing them around their chin, taking them off to talk, things like that. So they're trying to crack down on that and get people back into good habits. Hopefully these measures will help get the virus back under control and that in 2021, non-rich countries like ours will also be able to get the vaccine.
I hope everyone who celebrates had a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone. Hopefully 2021 will bring more tennis and a safer, healthier world. Hello, I'm Fahad and I'm a massive Roger Federer fan. Uh, as far as 2020 is concerned, it has not been a year to remember for Roger or any of the Federer fans because uh, Roger only lasted six matches in which he won five. All of those matches came at the Australian Open. However, we are optimistic that uh, he'll do better in 2021. It was uh, very, very, you know, disturbing to see uh, Roger out from the sport for so long. Uh, we have never seen something like this ever. Even in his uh, prime years, we used to know that uh, even though he had some injuries there and there, but now not for this long. When he was out in 2016, when he was out for um, uh, six months, we thought that was long, but now it's a year now. So we hope, we can just hope that he'll be back competing by the time Wimbledon comes around, by the time Olympics are there. And then obviously the US Open will also be there. So we can just pray that he plays well, he feels well on the court. The results are the least important thing at the moment. It is just about that he has confidence in his fitness. And if he has confidence in his fitness, then he will definitely have confidence in his game. Hey everyone, it's Valerie, your fan favorite reporter on Serena Williams. So let's start off by talking a little tennis. Um, This is a tennis podcast after all. So the 2020 season has ended and Serena did not have the most successful season by her normal standards. She started off 2020 pretty well. She won a title in Auckland, New Zealand, defeating fellow American Jessica Pegula in the singles final. However, she followed that with a third round loss at the Australian Open and failed to make it to another final the remainder of the year. So I'm going to set tennis aside for now and just let you know a little of what Serena's been up to lately. Now, we all know that Serena is quite the businesswoman. She has her clothing line that we're all aware of called Serena, but she also has a jewelry line and this jewelry line just launched a new collection. If you'd like to check out some of her new designs, you can go follow her jewelry page on Instagram. The handle is at Serena Williams Jewelry. Now, if you check on her regular Instagram account, you'll see more of her and her family navigating their way through the COVID-2020 that we've all come to know, where we're all basically prisoners to our own homes. The only insight we sometimes see for our favorite tennis stars are what they're doing at home with their loved ones, since there's not a lot of tennis going on. So, what is Serena sharing with us while she's stuck at home? It's basically the usual home videos of her and her daughter. A couple notable ones was uh, her daughter giving her a COVID test. She like stuck this Q-tip looking thing up her nose and I don't know, counted 10 seconds. It was cute. Um, Also, her husband had snow brought into their backyard in their Florida house. So they had a nice little hill where they can slide down on the sled. Um, it looks like super sunny out and there's just this little snow patch. So it's kind of funny. Being from a part of Southern California that is not near any mountains, I can understand why it looks kind of funny to see a little hill full of snow and people sledding down it. Now, 
one of the other interesting videos that Serena posted is actually, it seems like a plug for possible sponsor. I didn't know she was a sponsor for Lincoln, but if she isn't, she might be looking to become one of their um, ambassadors because she did a nice little plug. She was like showing a little video of her getaway and how she goes to her car to relax or read or for a nice drive. And and that thing looks really nice actually. So um, I guess I could see why she would put a plug because if I had that car, I probably would be telling everyone too. It it looked pretty fancy on the inside. Maybe uh, her and Matthew McConaughey have have something to that whole Lincoln Navigator thing. Um, Anyway, last but not least, Serena is apparently baking a lot. She's posted two cakes she's baked in the past week, and they both look delicious. So I don't know. Now I feel like I need to go get a piece of cake. Um, I should do it before the new year starts because I'm sure like a lot of people out there, we're going to try and be a little bit more mindful and maybe not eat as much sweets or make other lifestyle changes. So that's pretty much it for me and my Serena report for 2020, wrapping it up. And I can't wait to see what 2021 has to bring. Hopefully we have a better uh, tennis season since this is going to be our second go around with COVID. And I wish Serena all the best in getting number 24. Fingers crossed. Bye guys. Hello, dear listeners. This is Tanya from Republic of Serbska, and I'm here to give you some updates on Novak Djokovic. Even though tennis world is asleep these days, Novak Djokovic has scaled yet another remarkable milestone, this time reaching the 300-week mark as world number one, and only Roger Federer is ahead of him with three 110 weeks. If Djokovic maintains his position, he will pass the Swiss on 8 March next year and from the looks of things there's very little that can stop him from doing that. Earlier this year Djokovic said, this is one of my two biggest professional goals, to surpass Roger's record for the longest time at number one and win as many Grand Slams as possible. I have been saying that before, so I am working towards that. I am at a good place right now, in a good position. Hopefully I can stay healthy and continue to play well. Last month, Djokovic announced he had been nominated for president position of the ATP Players Council for the next season after he quit that position in August. But a few days ago, on a Monday, he revealed he had to withdraw from the elections after being deemed to have a conflict of interest due to his role in the Professional Tennis Players Association. He wrote on Instagram, I do this reluctantly and with a very heavy heart. I am and always have been very passionate when it comes to representing my peers on the council. I truly believe there is a path forward that will greatly improve the lives of many players, especially the lower ranked, and have a powerful and positive impact on the sport of tennis as a whole. I am confident that the PTPA will achieve this in the near future. Djokovic is doing as he promised. He is shelling out money and resources to help his compatriots make their preparation for the Australian Open in Belgrade. Petar Popovic, coach of Damir Jumhur, took to Instagram to call attention to Djokovic's generosity. 
Special thanks to Novak for what he did this winter for Serbian players to provide them free courts, balls, food, hotel, stringing, etc. Just wow, head down. Popovic also said, I don't see the other players who have done this for their country's tennis. He doesn't brag about it. He has shown that he is really tall and that he thinks of others. Now, when we are living in these challenging times, helping each other is the only right thing to do and Djokovic has always been a good example of a person who has a generous heart. Apart from news about Nola, I'd love to tell you some personal words, so here I go. I hope you are all doing fine and that this virus will bypass you and your family. It's such a difficult time for everyone, but we have to stay as positive as possible. I had corona cases in my family and had to change all my plans and temporarily give up on my dreams, but I'm happy and grateful as long as my closed ones are healthy and alive. I hope we will all be able to find something to look forward to and to be happy about every day because little things make a difference. I wish you all a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and I hope with all my heart you'll keep listening to us. So, as you know, Tennis Pal Chronicles is sponsored by Tennis Pal, which is a great app you can download for any Android or iPhone, and you can find people to play tennis with. I am excited to let you know about a cool new feature on the Tennis Pal app. In the new version of the app, there's a new feature called Broadcast. Let's say you're looking for someone to play with in your area. Now, when you do a Find Pal search, you can tap the broadcast icon on the bottom right side and write a custom message to broadcast to that list. For instance, you can message, I'll be playing at downtown courts until 8 p.m. tomorrow, and the broadcast will be shown to everyone in your search list at the top of the moments feed for the next 48 hours. They can easily see your broadcast message and start a chat with someone with quick replies and confirm a hitting time. Super cool. I haven't used it yet, but I can't wait to use that new feature. Love Tennis Pal, the app. You guys got to go get it. Thank you so much, Tennis Pal, for supporting us throughout 2020. Even though we didn't have a lot of tennis and or tennis news, uh, we were able to put together this podcast because of them. So we really appreciate it. Well, Philip. This has been the weirdest year we've ever spent in our friendship and in our tennis fandom. Let's not do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. But isn't it cool that we had the tennis podcast created to kind of have the record of this journey? It is. Yeah. The, definitely the strangest, weirdest year of my whole entire life. But I am so grateful for my friends, for my family. For my health. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for the tennis podcast. I'm grateful for every listener that's out there. And we're just really hoping that they're healthy, safe, and happy. Yes. Let's all focus on getting healthy so we can enjoy each other again. Well, happy new year, everyone. Thank you again so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So if you want to send us a message, send an email to pk at tennispal.com. Give us some feedback on the podcast, on any show ideas that you have, anything that you would like to hear from us. We'd love to hear from you. Wouldn't you love to hear from them, Valerie? I really would love to hear from them. I feel like we don't hear from them enough. Come on, people. I'm lonely over here. I'm just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would make our day, wouldn't it? <laughs>
It It'd really so would. Great. <laughs> well, happy new year, everyone, and may all your serves be, be ace. ace.